the best advice I have is to be kind and compassionate and understanding. To not be afraid. I think talking about medication can feel really scary for managers. They don't want to get it wrong. But as a manager, you can really support the people by just reminding them that they're valued and they're not going to get in trouble. And like you're there to support them. Actually being quite human about it can be really useful. Hello and welcome to Working It from the Financial Times. I'm Isabel Berwick. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder affects millions of adults across the world. People with ADHD have trouble focusing. They can be impulsive and they can show other symptoms like carelessness, a tendency to interrupt people and difficulty dealing with stress. As you can imagine, these traits can make it difficult to thrive at work. And recently, people with ADHD have had it especially bad. Manufacturing and supply chain issues, coupled with increased global demand, have meant medication has been in short supply. Shortages are affecting patients in the US and the UK. What happens when someone with ADHD doesn't get the medicine they need? How does it affect their working life? And what can managers do to help people who are struggling? The voice you heard at the top of the show was Leanne Maskell. She's the founder and director of ADHD Works, which provides training and coaching to individuals and companies. Leanne's going to tell us what workers and employers can do to manage ADHD. But first, I'm going to speak to Dr. Yutish Sridharan. He's a consultant psychiatrist and the clinical director of Psychiatry UK, an online mental health platform. I started by asking him for a definition of ADHD. ADHD is a mental health condition which uh, describes a lifelong pattern of impairment or difficulties due to inattention, hyperactivity and impulsivity. There are sort of three main subtypes. The most common one is where there is clear evidence that there's difficulties with inattention, hyperactivity and impulsivity that affects them in their day-to-day lives with in say social aspects, work aspects, academic aspects, about three to four percent of uh, the population will uh, have uh, ADHD or would meet the criteria for diagnosis of ADHD. So you mentioned work difficulties. What kind of problems do people with ADHD have at work? When people think about ADHD, they think of Bart Simpson, the, the young boy who's causing mayhem, chaotic mischief. But there is so many different types uh, of how people can present with ADHD. Um, But the difficulties can sometimes be meeting deadlines, sometimes with interpersonal relationships with colleagues, maybe procrastination, which can be a difficulty, you know, delaying things, zoning out of things, uh, difficulties in staying in meetings for a long, long while due to being distractible or losing interest. At work, it's, people can be successful. They can do really well and they can be a real value for their employers, for colleagues. And we just need to ensure that they're given the right opportunities and maybe reasonable adjustments to really show their talents, um, their out-of-box thinking, their ability to maybe multitask and you know come up with ideas or complete work in a way that the hyper-focus you know, that other people can't do. So could you explain to me quickly what's going on with these ADHD medication shortages? You know, when did you first notice something was up? I think a lot of us had noticed, say, over the last sort of six months or so, there had been certain sort of dosages or certain types of medication that were not in stock for a while. And we fortunately we had enough sort of availability to, you know, switch over or to just miss that dose when we're finding the right dose for somebody. So there has been a mix between some warning signs and then also this sudden uh, complete lack of one of the main ADHD medications, which was, you know, completely frightening and worrying for 
our patients, for consultants, etc. Is it because so many more people have been diagnosed or is it just a supply chain problem? It starts off with the fact that I think adult ADHD, unfortunately, is not an NHS clinical priority. So that's, I think, the fundamental beginning of where this is happening. And then there has been issues with production, difficulty with licensing, uh, and also increases in hundreds of percent of people being assessed, diagnosed, and treated with ADHD medications. So I think there's a, quite a few factors involved. Could you give us a sort of picture of what happens to someone who isn't getting medication? You know, how do things change for them in their mind and in their, as they appear to others? So with the ADHD medication, because it affects the dopamine pathways and seems to help putting all the mind and focus into activities one by one, calming things down, people can feel very free and relaxed when they're on the medication. And then when off the medication, they feel that sort of coming back, that the mind is working faster again, that the fact that they're able to control less their abilities to regulate emotion or to make decisions or to concentrate on tasks. There are ways to minimize the impact such as, you know, using technology to help with focus, such as alarms or bright colors and accessible sort of IT options to help improve the administrative tasks. So there are things that they can do to minimize it, but these are often the symptoms that people will experience being off the medications. Let's say people have been taking their ADHD medication. What happens when they stop and not to get too detailed, but there's something called stimulant medication, which is what basically 90, 95% of the population with ADHD will be taking if they're on medication. If they are stopped, first thing is to make contact with the, their specialist and get their advice. But there is no acute medical concern with stopping right away. That's one thing I would like to say out there. With these medications, there will be some obviously increased fatigue and tiredness because they no longer have a stimulant, you know, going through their body. And also the ADHD symptoms will return. So maybe the cognitive uh, or executive functioning difficulties, maybe the zoning out, et cetera, will come back to its, you know, baseline level. But there is no immediate risk to their health, such as I mean, having any heart problems or any, uh, you know, problems with uh, their other organs, et cetera. So that's uh, the important thing to say. With those medication, it is not a, a, a huge medical risk to stop right away or abruptly. So the symptoms can, will come back and presumably that has a, a knock-on effect at work, for example. What would, what would your advice be to people? Should you tell your manager? That's the best thing you can do, you know, to have a confidential, you know, discussion with the occupational health team, your manager. It's good to have an open conversation. What struggles you had maybe before you were on the medication, what possibly could be there and what maybe reasonable adjustments can be done to uh, make that sort of impact as low as possible. Should people ration and if they've got a few left, can they take one every other day or is that a bad idea? Using rationing is something I am doing with patients. I always try to put people on the lowest dose that gives a positive response. So when there's these rations, if you can go down to the lowest dose available, that has some help. And also using it as and when needed for work or for some particular days, utilizing the lowest dose for those days so you can spread out the medications, You know, recognizing that potentially can we use other you know, techniques or strategies to help reduce the sort of impact of not having the medication. Have you got any idea how long these shortages might last or is, is there any talk about it on the professional channels? 
the good thing is with one of the medications, there are multiple different brands. So there's different ways to, you know, switch and uh, adjust the medications. With some of them, there is only one supplier, one manufacturer. It seems uh, mid-November, we're getting some medications back. We're hopeful by, by the end of year, especially, we will have all the people who are already on medication back on their medications. The problem is there's another set of people who are waiting to start. They shouldn't miss out, but potentially could they be directed to first-line treatments that are available most easily and there's less chance of them having to you know, have massive gaps or have to stop suddenly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, are there any other conditions that occur or risks that are associated with ADHD? You know, If you've had one diagnosis, does another one often follow? Most people I've met who have had ADHD have been previously diagnosed or at least presented with symptoms of depression and anxiety. And that's one of the things we look for, actually. When people have had interventions for those conditions and they've not got better, they've tried second, third line options, and it seems that something's always there. Um, then we look deeper and actually there is an underlying ADHD that's, that's not treated, that's causing these symptoms of depression, anxiety to be quite resistant. I'm so glad Dr. Sridharan talked about the different forms that ADHD can take. I think it's a condition that people tend to misunderstand and it can express itself in more than one way. I was less glad to hear about how long these medication shortages may last. It sounds like some ADHD patients will have to go without their treatments for weeks or even months. I wanted to get a personal perspective on how big a problem that is and find out what employers can do to help staff who might be struggling. So I called Leanne Maskell. She's the founder and director of ADHD Works. It provides individuals and companies with training, consultancy and coaching. She's also the author of ADHD Works at Work, a book about ADHD in the workplace. Leanne started off by telling me about her own experience of ADHD. I was diagnosed with ADHD at 25. I didn't think that I had ADHD, but basically my life spiraled so badly out of control that I was traveling around the world. I couldn't stay in the country longer than a month. I kept getting and quitting jobs every week. I kept falling out of all my friends and family. I was in a really terrible place and I became really suicidal. It was a really, really scary way to live because I just felt like I couldn't trust my own brain and for me taking that medication completely, completely transformed my life. So that medication really helps me to stay alive. I've been rationing it for the last month since I found out about the shortages. And in the beginning, I was basically taking it some days and not other days, which I knew wasn't a very good idea for me because I'd done that previously, which worked out really badly. It just makes life feel a lot harder for me personally. It feels like I'm kind of living underwater and having to pick up my brain to have a thought. Um, so it's, it's really tricky. Um, what advice could you give to other people who are struggling to access the medication? Well, medication is not the only thing that helps with ADHD. Things like exercise, not drinking alcohol, if you can help it. Um, having a routine is really, really important. So I rejoined the gym. I have a support worker from Access to Work, which anyone could do, like find a friend or a family member and get them to have these regular check-ins with you every day. Like, have you gone to the gym or have you eaten food today? And make sure that they're kind of like body doubling with you. That's really, really helped me. And also Access to Work can pay for you to have support like ADHD coaching. But I think it is 
going back to basics and not freaking out about it, knowing that it's okay. And it's not the only option. It's a tool in a big box of tools and it will be okay. And you've mentioned access to work. You know, what kind of benefits are people with ADHD entitled to? Because I'm sure lots of people listening to this may not realise. Yeah, essentially anyone with a health condition can apply for it. Less than 1% of people who could use it, use it. It's a grant by the Department of Work and Pensions. You will have an assessment from them, um, like an independent assessment, so it's not to do with your workplace. And they will give you support that is above and beyond what is required by law. Um, For example, ADHD can be a disability in the workplace if it affects your ability to do normal day-to-day activities in a long-term negative way in comparison to your colleagues, then your employer might have a legal duty to make reasonable adjustments so that you can do your job like your non-disabled colleagues, which might be things like different working hours or locations, but access to work can go above and beyond that. So most commonly, obviously we have ADHD coaching, which we do a lot um, of at ADHD Works. They also can pay for ADHD training as well within the workplace. And then a variety of software and different kind of equipment, things like electronic notebooks and special chairs for you to sit in different positions in. Yeah, it's it's quite incredible. And as I said, it's up to £65,000 a year available per person. So it's really, really highly worth applying for. It's not very hard to apply. You will just have to tell your workplace because all they do is confirm with the employer that that person has a job there. You can also get it if you're self-employed though. Um, and people's employers will often pay for the support and then claim it back. Talking more generally, how could managers be compassionate, I guess, to people with ADHD and help to accommodate them during the shortage or perhaps more generally? The best advice I have is to be kind and compassionate and understanding. Try and have these conversations if you can. To not be afraid. I think talking about medication can feel really scary for managers. They don't want to get it wrong. But as a manager, you can really support the people by just reminding them that they're valued and they're doing fine either way, whether they have the medication or not, and they're not going to get in trouble. And like you're there to support them. Actually being quite human about it can be really useful and encouraging people to apply for access to work as well so that they can get support like ADHD coaching or reminding them of any support that you have available like therapy or employee assistance programs. Leanne's experience, both as someone with ADHD and someone who teaches people about it, is so valuable. ADHD affects so many people, including some very close to me, and understanding how to support them can make a massive difference. Like so many other difficult situations at work, kindness, compassion and flexibility go such a long way. That's something that's worth keeping in mind, not just over the next few months, but always do think about the advice that Leanne and Dr. Sridharan shared. Take advantage of access to work if you're in the UK and any schemes that your employer may offer. Be open to conversations about mental health and remember that a colleague may be having a tough time, even if it's not obvious. Thanks to Leanne Maskell and Dr. Yutish Sridharan for this episode. If you're an FT subscriber, please sign up to the Working It newsletter. We've got the best workplace and management stories from across the FT, plus the office therapy advice column. Please sign up at ft.com forward slash newsletters. I put a link in the show notes. This episode of Working It was produced by Misha Frankel-Duval and mixed by Simon Panayi. 
Manuela Saragossa is the executive producer and Cheryl Bromley is the FT's global head of audio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>